0: Good evening, my name is Marty Plum and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff. And Tony, you know what we are today? 50. I'm 50. That's right, we are 50. We are 50. Yes. So, a little Sally O'Malley there for you, buddy. So... Hope you like that. That was good. I do what I can. I do what I can. So, 50 episodes. And today, we are going to talk about leadership styles. I want to give credit where credit is due. Tony found a a tweet from, uh, was it Craig Doty?
1: Craig Doty, yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, he was talking about, like, advantages of old school versus new school. And, and, uh, you know... We, we we kind of uh, we created something out. We're going to try and create something out of that. So we want to give Coach Dodie a, a former append and a napkin guest credit where credit is due there. So, uh, but let's get into some uniform numbers here, Tony. Um, I've got three post players and a linebacker for you. Uh, unlike let's two turntables and a microphone. So
1: yeah, let's go linebacker first. Yeah. What do you got? Dick Buckus. No. Can I, Dick
0: Buckus? That's. Uh, I feel. Uh, now that you say that, I feel bad. Uh, hold on. He might not have been fifty. Uh no, he was not. He's fifty-one. Yeah, I'm an episode early. You're an episode early. Yes. Uh, so is the one. Mike but Singletary. Mike Singletary. I was just gonna say, same franchise. So. Uh, Mike Singletary is your linebacker. I was surprised. I thought there'd be more fifties, but I did too. Yeah, but just Singletary, uh, the only football player. No real baseball players to be to be named. Um, let me let me. But I'm I'm pretty confident uh, that I checked baseball. Uh, yeah, I checked uh, Adam Wainwright. I mean, you know, I mean, that was about it. Uh, Mike Marshall, that played for the Dodgers, um, yeah. So, n- I mean, Wainwright would be pushing it, but yeah. Um, so, uh, so we got Singletary, uh, and like I said, we got three post players. Two of them Ooh. left-handed.
1: Artist Gilmore. Nope. Okay. Um, Willis Reed was lefty. I'm not sure if he was 50.
0: He was number 19, I believe.
1: So, not even close. Um, Shoot. Left-handed post player wears 50. Uh,
0: Let's see here. Um, Gosh. uh, If I... uh, The the hints I'm thinking of would give it away. Um, We're going to talk a little international basketball here. So, uh, uh, this... This left-handed post player won, uh, played in multiple Olympic games. Lefty post
1: player, multiple Olympic games.
0: Won very unsuccessfully and won over the... David Robinson? David Robinson, the admiral, yes. Played in 88 and 92. I don't know if he played in 96 or not. but um, Other left-handed post player... Uh, Let's see here. Uh, What's a hint I could give you? Uh, Played his college ball in the Big Ten.
1: Lefty post player, college ball in the Big Ten.
0: Best run, his best decade was the aughts.
1: Zach Randolph.
0: There you go, my friend. And the other number 50 was perhaps the most famous college basketball player of the early 80s.
1: Post guy, early eighties, fifty, righty, righty. Um,
0: in the heyday of college basketball, he was on top of the hay. So be it.
1: Be Kansas?
0: Hmm. Some would even say his his career was a little bit of a disappointment. Hmm. I'm gonna give you this hint that it's gonna, uh, uh, it's gonna give it to you. His name has resurfaced in comparison to a certain French post player. So
1: we're talking Victor, and in comparison to him, Ralph Sampson. There we go, Beaver. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ralph Sampson, number uh-huh. fifty. Number fifty. Yeah.
1: Oh. Ralph was one of my favorite players growing up.
0: Really. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: Terry Holland, Ralph Sampson. Did
0: you post him up? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: He got swatted to the <laughs> other end of the court. <laughs>
0: yeah. you, could, you could take him on a Nerf hoop. You
1: uh, maybe. Yeah. He fell for the shoes untied trick, but
0: we'll see. <laughs> I was watching the end of Hot Shots Part 2 the other night. <laughs> <laughs> the, the part where he, he busts out Mr. Bean from prison he's like, they've tied my shoelaces together <laughs> and, then, and then Charlie Sheen has to carry him, she's like "He's like, oh, not quit jostling so much <laughs> he's just like hey, oh, so. um, alright, let's get it. Uh, that's 20 seconds of people's lives, we will never get back so, uh <laughs> Let's get into leadership styles here, Tony. Uh, again, like we you, you picked this up. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about the tweet and kind of your thought and, and, and where you wanted to go with things here today.
1: Yeah, uh, Craig Doty, um, a guy that I follow on Twitter, uh, just put some really, really good stuff out there. And so I saw his tweet, and basically it was talking about the strengths and weaknesses of the old-school leadership style. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously – we're, we're seasoned, experience, whatever you want to call it. Um, and Bob Knight was kind of in his heyday back growing up and stuff like that. You saw him with the chair and, you know, different things like that. And there were things that he did from a schematic X and O standpoint, like, wow, that guy's really, really good motion offense, you know, different things like that. Uh, their defense was was really, really tough, um, you know, but then you take a look at how he treated his players and, you know, Interact with the officials and stuff like that. There's a part of it like "Eh, that's not that's not right. And then as time has gone on, you've seen some of the newer styles that have come along. And you know what are the benefits of the way that Knight did it, and what are the benefits of today? And so I guess that's really kind of where where I'm going with this.
0: Yeah, you know, you and I grew up in the '80s. You're slightly. Uh, more experienced than I am by just a couple of years, uh, not by much, but you know, a, a little bit, but roughly the same generation, uh, yep. and uh, I really remember uh, those from my hometown will appreciate this, I I vividly remember my experiences with my junior high basketball, or my junior high, my, my JV basketball coach, and, and I will not bring up the name, uh, but uh, he may he would make Bobby Knight blush. Uh, oh, wow. I mean, he was and, and what he wouldn't use profanity in the same way. He was would, he wouldn't say that, but I mean, it was just yelling, screaming at the. I mean, it was just over the top. Um, and, and then the guy was really, really knowledgeable. Uh, and, and I will say that you know he was really, really knowledgeable. But man, it was just it was just like he just couldn't control himself. And, um, you know, that was my Bob Knight experience as a young athlete, I guess. We'll, 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 we'll say it like that, Tony. And my, my freshman coach, uh, and if I'm, I'm gonna I'm be fair, I'm not going to say anybody's names, the ones that I liked, the ones I didn't like. So, uh, my freshman coach was completely opposite. He was actually kind of the first guy that, Made me kind of feel like I could coach because I remember he would he would be in study hall and he would have these he would take out pennies and nickels and the, and the you know the pennies would be on offense and the nickels would be on defense and he'd be doing stuff with the things here on his desk in study hall and a and on a more than one occasion he was like hey Plum come up here what do you think you know and uh, but they could not have been more and and needless to say for me personally I felt like I really thrived under the freshman coach and. I did not enjoy my experience with the JV coach and then and then our varsity coach was uh he was nowhere near you know he would get after us but not n- anywhere near the JV coach would and so uh I kind of feel like Tony long story short too late our generation kind of started moving in the new school era around that time sports started to change uh, there was more emphasis on the individual. We kind of left the whole Vince Lombardi. We were starting to leave the Vince Lombardi era behind in the late 80s and the early 90s. And and so in our athletic experiences and, and therefore shaping our coaching experiences, we have a little bit of both, I think, in our playing backgrounds, which I, I think probably plays into our coaching philosophy as well. What I mean, is that kind of the way you feel a little bit, Tony?
1: Yeah, I think we're kind of in that bridge era you know, yeah. with, you know, you mentioned Lombardi, Knight, some of the, I don't know if dictatorial is the right word I want to go there. Uh-huh. Um, and then now, you know, the bridge to where it's it's more individual, like you said, uh, player led, um, you know, and just getting into that psychology aspect of it with positive reinforcement and, and different things that go along with it.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote down uh, Craig's uh, kind of, I don't know, I, I guess you would call it a chart if you wanted to put together a chart. And, and Tony, feel free to add to this. Let's start with the old school kind of philosophy of leadership. So we kind of have something to, to base it upon here. Um, mm-hmm. The old school philosophy, uh, y- y- you just do it because I tell you to do it, uh, is, is part of it. Uh, the, you, you coached, or, or our coaches coached from a distance. There wasn't much of a personal relationship. Ah, uh, there was a very strict hierarchy of i'm the I'm the coach in charge and this is everything flows downhill and the decisions were very much simplified. you know, uh, kind of going back to that, you just do it my way. Uh, there wasn't a lot of nuance. everything was pretty black and white. Uh, th- that's kind of what Craig had in his his text is is there anything that you yep. saw in his text that to add to that or anything? In your, in your the, definition,
1: yes, yeah, it's, it's because I said so. Yeah, that, that's how I would describe it. Because I said so. Why are we doing that? Because I said so. You know, I, I think that's kind of the the real succinct form of it. Because I said so.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Because I said so. So, um, the new school uh, was, you know, we instead of saying, "Well, just do it," or because I said so. Well, there's a why. Well, why are we doing it? And you have to be able to answer the why. Uh, Instead of being coaching from a distance, more and more of the new school coaching is relationship-based and building connections with your players. Uh, Instead of a strict hierarchy from the head coach down, uh, it's and everybody contributes to the the program. Uh, And instead of, you know, simple black and white decisions, you know there's more much more nuance and much more of a multiple options in it well it could be this but if we do this will this lead to that etc etc you know that's kind of what i got out of the new school part of it that that Doty put out there
1: yeah on this one i would just simplify this is a one word collaboration yeah. is, is what i would how i would describe this one
0: mhm mm-hmm. so uh which one's better tony
1: you know it, it depends you know if if you're in a high-stress situation, down one, five seconds to go, uh, you need to come up with a play. I think the old school leadership style is is better because the coach needs to have the answer on that one. I don't know if you necessarily, you know, hey, what do you guys think we should do here? You know, not that that can't be done on occasion, but I think in that scenario, you know, it's a 30-second timeout. You've got to come up with something now. You've got to have the old hierarchical structure. But in the long run, on a day to day interacting with with young people, coaching young people, I would say the new school approach is better. It's mm-hmm. about relationships. It's about collaboration. It's about getting input. You know, I think I think coach led coach led teams, I'm sorry, can be good. Player- led teams can be great. yeah, and that that's kind of how I would summarize that one,
0: yeah, and, and I think you know today, Uh, you are, are very much correct with that. I, I tell my kids all the time, you know, the, the, the less I talk, the better we're going to be. And we, I feel like my team is really starting to grasp upon to that concept. Uh, maybe because they're just tired of hearing my voice. I don't know, Tony, uh, (laughs) very well could be so, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I really feel like that that is, uh. That 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 is. It's just it's just proven through studies that the new school advances in psychology are the way to overall build your program. Now, not to say that there aren't some old school tendencies and old school virtues that you shouldn't bring to your new school philosophy. Uh, there comes a time where you just say, all right. We could we could talk about this all we want, but here's how we're going to do this, and we're going to do it this way, and that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, every once in a while, you have to do that, or, or or whatever that may be. Every once in a while, with your staff, you just say, "All right, for better or worse, this is this is who we're going to go with in our rotation." Let's say you're debating, you got ten kids, and you're trying to figure out who your top eight is. This is who we're going to go with, and and that's my decision because I'm the head coach, you know. Uh, There are certain times where where those things seem to, or there's times where those things have to come into play, but it's, it's, if you collaborate, if you work together, if you answer the why, then the old school decision making is easier because you've gone through that process. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the Pen and a Napkin Video Library.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, Marty, if you had to say, you know, we've talked about a blend here between the two. What percentage would you say? You know, because we, we mentioned the fact that New School is taking a look at the research is probably better. Mm-hmm. So, what percentage? You know, just kind of ballpark a percentage for me.
0: For me personally, yeah. Wow, well, how ironic that you asked that, Tony. Because uh, what I did. And I didn't know which direction – again, I mean, folks, we, we kind of throw a topic out to each other, and then we kind of just come together. We, this is These are always pretty organic conversations, right, Tony? Yeah, uh, very much so. And uh, when you brought this topic out, I spent – and this was a great exercise for me, Tony. Uh, and I don't know what you did on your side of things, but I took about 20 to 30 minutes, and I – like, okay – what is my leadership style and this was a really really good exercise for me to think about you know okay how do i lead what are things that i think are important and, and i think it's very imperfect what i put together but i think it was a really really good starting point to uh to think about okay how do i really truly lead honestly and and you have to you have to have some self-reflection and look at yourself in the mirror and say this is this is really how i am I, i'm not saying you know uh I, this is how i think i am you really have to look at it from a, a real honest point of view so as i looked at it tony i think i'm probably i'd say 75 percent new school 25 percent old school if i were to roughly divide it up what about you
1: you know i would say i might be a little bit higher you know you mentioned that that I'm a little older than you. Yeah. Uh, I would say 30 to 33 percent, probably old school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the, and the thing that I go back to is, if I were to get my players that I coach, say 20, 25 years ago, and have them come in and watch a practice and tell me what they think, you know, I think a lot of them would say, "Coach, you got soft." Yeah. You know, because I've I've obviously changed, evolved, whatever word you want to use, over the years, um, and, and, and and needed to. You Mm -hmm. know, as a coach, I needed to grow. Mm -hmm. If I'm asking my players to get better and to grow and I'm not doing that, I'm a hypocrite. And so that's something. And the other thing I I thought about as well as I was sitting here, you know, putting some time in thinking about what I wanted to talk about with this is I don't think you can say, hey, this is going to work for every kid. If I'm 67 percent this, 33 percent that or 70, 30, whatever the case may be, it's going to work for every kid. I think you have to adjust it. Because each kid is different, mm-hmm. um, but I think the one thing you want to be is you want to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: yeah, I, I I'll, were you done there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I I, uh, I I think you go into every season with a general thought and idea of of how you want to lead your team, but then you're and you lead every team differently. Without a doubt. And then within that team, yeah, you you lead the team, but then you coach every player differently. You have a different type of relationship with players. There are players that you can really get after, and there are players that you cannot. Uh, there, There are players that are really dependent on that personal relationship, and there are players that don't you know they still want it to a degree but they don't need to they don't have to have it um you know and, and so th- there are players that uh don't mind uh they, they kind of thrive off of you getting on them uh calling them out in front of the team whereas there are players where you need to pull aside and and calmly talk to them on the side and and very quietly to get the most out of them and, and that's leadership, and that's the art of leadership, because you just cannot, like you said, Tony, you can't coach everybody the same. I, you know, for example, in my new job, when, when I took over, uh, these kids had been beaten down. Because, you know, I mean, you win 10 games in three years. They were very well aware that they were struggling based on the scoreboard. They didn't need to struggle anymore. They needed to have somebody come in that would believe in them. That that would say, yes, you can do this. If Now, you can't do this if you do this, 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 and this. And, and this is what we're going to hammer home on a daily basis. But I knew that I could not go into my new job and coach this team in the same way that maybe I coached some of my teams in my old job, where I knew we had a chance to be pretty good, and therefore we could hold them to a higher standard as far as, uh, you know, in such and such drill man, if we don't make X amount of lay, 80 layups in two minutes the way we intended to in the drill, well, now I got to raise my voice a little bit or demand the expectation. You know, it's, well, hey, we're going to get this, you know. And and, and so you're, you're, you're coaching a basketball team, but you're coaching it in a much different way based on the circumstances, the background, and everything like that. And I And there were times where I just – it was hard to bite my tongue – but I think we did a pretty good job of it, and that payoff, it was a calculated risk, and that payoff didn't come until towards the end of the year when we uh, you know, we finished 6-4 and four in our last 10 games that year uh, because we had laid the groundwork and because I felt like the leadership that we had put into place those first couple of months of the season really paid off the last month of the season, if that all makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. Let me ask you this. As your team gets more experience, more talent, you know, different things like that, Will your expectations and your your standards that you're holding them to? Will that increase with them? No,
0: I, I think I've uh, again being seasoned and experienced. Uh, I I really feel comfortable with with how I'm leading the, this particular group right now. Uh, you know, and I and I think it's because we've established a lot of that leadership style. Uh that I I you know knock on wood here on 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 the fabricated desk uh wooden <laughs> desk here but you know the plan going into this season is to not change uh, a whole lot uh we're still really really young and we're gonna have our ups and downs I've I've told people in our particular situation uh yeah this obviously this is the most. You know, no, this is nothing uh, against or, or I'm not criticizing my three previous teams, but this is this is the most talent that we've had in our, in our program in our in our four years. And and I know there's going to be a lot of expectations, and we're gonna have nights that we're gonna look really really good, but we're also gonna have nights that we're, we're not gonna look very good, just because we're young, and for a lot of different reasons, maybe we're not ready to play, maybe we physically can't match match up with this particular opponent the way that we wanted to, because they're playing seniors and we're playing some younger kids, uh, we're, we're, you know. So so don't this is not going to be a lean, linear thing, and I think to navigate kids, you, you know just as well as I do, Tony. Uh, it's It's a lot easier to go from bad to average, and then it's a little bit harder to go from average to good and then it's even it's harder to go from good to great and then it's hard to go from great to noteworthy. you know that's the hardest step and mm-hmm. and we're still trying to go from average to good, and we still have to nudge that process along so i i the the plan again is to to not change. Uh, too much of that um, to, to do things the way that we've done it over the last three years uh, and, and just continue to talk about standards and championship standards. And one of the leadership things that we started out with uh, at the beginning of the summer, and this the very first thing I told him, um, if we are the best practice team in the state of Nebraska, we have a chance to do some really good things this year. Now, is there any way we can tangibly rate that? No. We're, we're not going out to, to Millard West with Kruger. or We're not, uh, we're not going out to uh, uh, York with Matt Kern. And, okay, let's compare our practice to your practice. That's literally impossible to do. But to have that mentality is, is the key. And if, if we could do that, then I feel like we have a chance to do really good things. But that's, that's where we're starting our whole leadership cycle is we have to be the best practice team in the state of Nebraska. And if we do that, then we've got a chance to do really good things.
1: Let me ask you this one, okay? Um, guys, the girls, can you get on a guy harder than a girl, or do you just coach them as athletes?
0: You coach them as athletes, in my opinion. I think that guys don't like to say it, but guys don't like being yelled at either. In my opinion, I, 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 I just based on my observations based on discussions that I've had with boys high school players over the years um, they and, and just like you know the, the time for example the, the the times that I've gotten on the very few times I've really gotten on my kids and my new job they they've come in and say you yeah, we deserved it and, and players know when they deserve it but i really think whether they're boys or girls they know when you're putting on a show just try to get something out of them and I, and i think that's something that that i learned way back early in my coaching career um we had uh i started out tony you know this i started out at briar Cliff as a as a student assistant and uh i was you know just happened to be in the right place at the right time and mike was absolutely awesome and our first year um we went 15 and 15, and Mike started four freshmen and a junior. Came back the next year, went 25 and 12, made it to the final eight in the country with four sophomores and a senior. And then we got two transfers in and a couple more recruits, and that's when we really took off. And we knew we were going to be good that third year, but then uh, Mike really kicked up the intensity, and that worked really, really well until about the middle of January. And I mean, Tony, we were smoking teams. I mean, we went through a stretch. Um we went through a 10 game stretch that year where we averaged like 104 points a game in that 10 game oh. stretch. And this is this is the mid 90s. This is this is not like today where the three point shot is as prevalent and that type of stuff. I mean, we were just and and the mistake that that we made as a staff is we felt like there's more there and and we kept applying the pressure instead of maybe pulling back a little bit. And I think that cost us in the end. And and I always look back on that like, man, what could we have done differently? And maybe we maybe we couldn't have done anything differently. I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I felt like by the time we, we had, you know, as a staff, you know, we had pushed them so hard that by you kind of felt like it, looking back on it in hindsight, by early February, we were kind of starting to get tuned out a little bit. Um, <clears throat> because A, we were being really successful. B, they were giving us all that they had, and but we kept, you know, what's, what's the next gear we can reach? And maybe maybe we were in fifth gear already, and that was the gear that we had. And I think looking back on it, that's what we had, and we, we should have backed off a little bit uh, mentally, especially with our leadership style.
1: Hmm. Interesting, because, you know, you take a look at Wooden, Wooden knock 15 minutes off of practice each month to mm-hmm. save their legs and stuff like that. You take a look at coaches who get into the postseason and they talk about, you know, uh, it's in and out. You, you were there for an hour, hour 15, yep. we're in, we're out. We want to go, you know, at a, at a decent pace, but we, we want again, want to save their legs, want to keep them fresh both mentally and physically. So, you know, those those were, those were interesting points that you're bringing up about the Cliff teams.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you go thirty-seven and one, and you average ninety-four points a game, and your only loss is by four points in the national tournament. That's still, that's still unbelievable still <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're not, you're not uh, uh, crying over spilt milk. They, people would have killed to have that experience. But you know, for for I know Mike feels this way. I, I know Jamie sale, even though he's won three or four national championships at Morningside, I know he probably still feels the same way. Uh, I know I feel that same way. That was, that was the one that got away. You know, that was, that was the championship that we should have had. We were the best team in the country. And, and, and when you don't, when you don't get there, I would on, on an NAIA women's level, Tony, uh, to put this in perspective, I would kind of put it, uh, the situation I would compare it to would be kind of like that UNLV team that got beat by Duke that was undefeated and and trying to, it it was, it was somewhere along those lines where we were, we were that good. We were that much better than everybody else, but then we just, we played a bad game and Don played a really good game and, and, and we lost, you know, but I, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, just a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda, and, and, you spend twenty five years kind of thinking about that stuff, I guess. So, not that it still doesn't bother me today, I guess, huh? So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, Tony, one of the things that I did for today, and I had, you know, wasn't really sure where we were going to go with it, but I, I kind of did some bullet points on my own leadership style, um, and I thought I would share those if that's cool with you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and and, and then, like I said, I I, I think it's. A mix of old school, new school. Um, I think one of the things that I that I've grown into uh, as a coach, and I'll start with this kind of old school point, is when it's time to be direct and honest. I'm really, I've I've kind of grown into it where I'm really direct and honest. Now I'm firm but fair. I'm not going to embarrass a kid, but when it comes down to it. I'm going to look a kid dead in the eye and just say, "Okay, this is where you are. This is how things are. Until you do this and this and this, you're not going to your your role is not going to change. Or this is this is your point that you're going to be at." Um, that being said, I I try to listen to all options and opinions. Um, when at all possible, I like to take my time. To in making decisions. Like I said, I want to gather as much information as possible before we... I, I would rather wait an extra 24 hours to make a decision and really think it through before I have to make a decision when it comes to that stuff. I, I do believe I try to stay positive and try to find the silver lining in things. Uh, or I, I think I'm organized and informed. I try to lead by example. Uh, my cousin Brent was a store manager at Hy-Vee, various hy Vs for a long, long time. And he always used to tell me, you know, every three months they have to do store inventory at a Hy-Vee. I didn't know if you knew that or not, Tony. I didn't uh, know that. Okay, well now you do. And he would work that entire inventory weekend every, you know, every quarter. He would be there the entire time, and he would tell me. You know, I'm asking my employees to put in extra time because inventory weekend sucks because we literally have to can't count every can, every you know, all this other stuff. And I'm sure it's simpler today with the technology and the computers and, and the way they could track stuff. Uh, but he would tell me, if I'm not there with my employees in the trenches during inventory weekend, then how can I really ask them to do other stuff when I have to ask them to do other tough jobs? And that's something that always stuck with me. And so I, I, I think one of the the, the greatest uh, leadership uh, statement you can make as as a head coach or a business leader or whatever is the example that you lead that you have. And so I've always kind of kept that in the back of my mind that, you know, I'm I'm going to be the first one in the gym and the last one to leave most of the time. You know, unless there's extenuating circumstances. Um, I try to be consistent with my leadership. Um, like I said, don't have anyone do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. Uh, we try to set really high but attainable standards and and have those expectations. And I think the most important thing, Tony, that I've learned over the years is you... I think the number one thing you have to do as a leader is be yourself. Uh, I think that I went through a stretch in my coaching career. I think I went through kind of a Belichick mode. And, and in some ways, I was... You know kind of, now, not to say I wasn't you know we're on the Cincinnati you know type of a thing the entire time or anything like that, but I think I did not do as good a job as I could have in building relationships with all my players uh, some of that was based on some experiences that I had had in certain situations, but one thing that I felt like I needed to do when I got back into it was I really needed to be myself I kind of needed to be an idiot at times, not to say that we don't hold our kids to high standards and expectations, but if if it's if it's if it's a funny joke to crack, let's crack the joke and let's have fun with it, you know, or or things like that, and and let's make sure you know we we tell our kids at the end of every practice, okay, did we work hard today? Yep. Did we get better today? Yep. Did we have fun today? Yep. What's the most important one? And everybody's supposed to say have fun, and, and we're going to have fun with what we do, and and I think that that's helped me realign my priorities, and that's why I think I've enjoyed this uh next phase of my coaching career so much so far, so that that was kind of this was a really good exercise for me to to, to write all that out
1: I, I think it is I mean it's one of those things where you know you want to go back and kind of examine your core principles. what are you about and you know you mentioned when you got out and took your sabbatical you know my kind of come to jesus moment if you will was when i left being a head coach and went to mount vernon for a year and was the assistant coach to, for both the boys and the girls over there and it was just a different role for me and and it helped me to rediscover why i got into coaching and that was to make a difference in a kid's in kids lives and to build relationships with them and you know, as I've come back and again, I'm not a varsity coach, sophomore coach, but as I've come back and, you know, I'm running the sophomore boys program here at Kennedy, that's one of the things that I want to make sure that stays a staple that stays a priority is relationships with the kids. And the one thing that that's, you know, was was very fun for me as one of the four years that I've been the sophomore coach here at Kennedy, my youngest daughter coached with me mm-hmm. and, uh, actually, is very much into that psychology and and different things like that and just kind of gave me a new way to look at things with them and it it really helped a lot and all four teams that i've coached have been very very different from a personality standpoint and having to lead them differently and stuff like that and it's helped to grow and stretch me which has been good and uh yeah it's just one of those things where you go back through and you kind of look at yourself in the mirror and what am i about what are my core principles what are my non negotiables and what what are my priorities? And having fun's a big one. You know, yeah. there there should be moments where you have a belly laugh, you know, with your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably not every day, but hopefully it's at least once or twice a week where you have just have good a good time with them and help them have an enjoyable experience because like you mentioned, Marty, when you're talking about what's the most important, having fun. If you were to pull kids, why do you play sports? Yeah, The number one answer is going to be because they're fun. And as adults, as coaches, we shouldn't be the fun sucker and take that out of it for them.
0: Yeah, Uh, I use this phrase all the time. Uh, A lot of times the adults have screwed it up for the kids, Uh, the the experiences, Uh, chasing the almighty scholarship at 11 years old. Now, I mean... If, if you've got the athleticism and you project the, the way that a, a Kevin Durant would when you're six foot tall, when you're 11 years old, and you've got a silky smooth jump shot. Okay. I get that. I I, I do. I mean, uh, but that's, that's the far and away exception and not the rule, you know, type of a deal. So uh, that's something that I've just, uh, If if we're going to do this and we're going to do it well, and I think you bring up a great, uh, a great point, Tony. Uh, if you're a head coach, I think it's a great idea. Every so often, whether you take a summer and you coach an AAU team, uh, or something along those lines, uh, even maybe it's just as simple something as simple as a postseason All Star game, or your your child's sixth grade team, and be an assistant coach because it changes your perspective. You know, my dad uh used to he was he was half joking half serious he would say you know when you were an assistant coach you never you never stood up but when you're a head coach you never sit down what's the difference you're still coaching the game right yeah just you know you gotta think about it you're like that's a good point (laughs) you know that's a good point and uh, one of the things, again, kind of tying into leadership, one of the things, and, I, and I'm imperfect at it still yet, but I'm, I'm very much better than I was at it uh, at my old job. Uh, I've really made it a point of emphasis for myself to stay seated and to not say a whole lot during the flow of the game. I, 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 and I've really tried to work on that. Uh, to let the players play, to not be yipping the whole time. Uh, Mike Neighbors uh, said something at one point. He said, uh, try to only talk to your players in dead ball situations. Try not to, n- try not to talk while the ball is in play and while they're playing. Uh, And that's something that's kind of stuck with me as well, and I've been trying to work on that. Again, sometimes better than others, but I feel like I'm getting better at it. So it's little things along the way as you get more seasoned and more experience that you try to do that makes yourself a better leader, and you find those little little areas that you can improve upon.
1: You know, one of the things that, that helped me a lot, kind of a similar thing, is don't talk in paragraphs to your team during games, talk in sound bites. Yep. And I thought that was really helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kevin Eastman bullet points is, is that's what he says too. So, really, really good stuff today, Tony. Anything else, Bud?
1: You know, I go back to the fact that again, I think new school is preferable and better, but there needs to be a little bit of that old school mm-hmm. in there as well percentage is based upon you as a coach like we mentioned earlier you're in that 20 25 range i'm a little bit higher 30 33 percent in terms of the old school mixture there and some of that just again you know era that we grew up in type thing yeah um but the other thing is there and i think we mentioned this earlier there's not a one size fits all for kids you've got to make sure that there's a little bit of an art to it a little bit of a feel to it what what works best with this particular player?
0: And I think we're both saying, Tony, that there is a time and a place for old school stuff. All right, mm-hmm. you know, boys, girls, whatever your situation may be, this is how we are going to cover buns. The, 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 the discussion is over. This is how we're going to cover bunts, and we're going to do this better. Or this is our defense. We're going to run it this way you know every that's why you're in charge that's why you have the title of head coach because eventually at times you have to make hard decisions and and um you know <laughs> uh, I won't dive terribly into this as much as I would like to but leaders have to make tough decisions that's why they're leaders and sometimes we see failure in leadership because they try to be everybody's friend or they try to uh, appease everyone, or they want everybody to have a trophy. The, no, the, that that's not part of the gig. It's competition. It is. It is. Uh, you are. You are. You have been selected. You have been hired. You have been voted upon. Whatever the situation may be, whatever leadership situation you're in, you are there to make the tough decisions. And every once in a while, your tough decisions have to be old school decisions. Sometimes you have to sit down with a kid, and you have to have a really blunt an honest conversation. And you're going to have to tell them stuff that they don't want to hear, but that's part of the hierarchy of things. And, and sometimes that message is not received unless it comes from you at the top of the pyramid or, or things like that. And uh, when your team, you know, like I, I tell my team, you're, if you come in and basically we, we have three things that, that I really, really ask of my players be on time, play as hard as you can and concentrate to the best of your ability. If you do those three things, we're going to coach you. But if any of those things slip, that's when we go old school. And I think our kids really respect that. But but they know that that is there. And and it's been clearly communicated in a new stu- school way that okay, here's our standards, here's our here's what we're looking for, here's what we're asking of you. And, and then it's up to us to, to deliver on that. But uh, I, I think that just because you're, we're saying, you know, you're saying you're two-thirds new school and I'm probably three-fourths new school, that doesn't mean that there's not some old-school things that you uh, can't and should not reach into that bag of tricks every once in a while because it is necessary. Coaches, do you want to look good? Stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin send me a direct message. Or you can email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some A Pen and a Napkin merchandise. You know who else believes in leadership, Tony?
1: Obviously, Europe.
0: The leaders of Europe are Europe, and if the Germans could conquer the Caribbean Ocean, we'd be we'd be all right. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, by the way, my my wife did uh, point that out. That yes, you did say Caribbean Ocean. So, uh, (laughs) been made very well aware of that one. So, we're we're, we're even on uh, social studies faux pas on the coaching staff now. The old faux pas. The old faux pas. So, Tony, you got trivia this week. What do you got for me, my man?
1: All right. Um, You mentioned Show Walter earlier, Coach Show Walter. He had a a trivia question out there on Twitter earlier. So, I'm going to go ahead and ask. This question. Okay. In what two countries in the world is basketball the most popular sport?
0: So I'm going to say this is a trick question because I think in the United States, American football is the most popular. That is true. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say China. No. Oh, dang it!
1: Good guess, though.
0: Yeah. Let's see here. Let's see. Do you know
1: where he where he happens to be? Ah, I'm trying to remember if he's still there or not. I think he's still there. Do you know where he happens to be? <laughs> I know. I
0: know he was in. Okay, so I'm gonna go. I know he was here. Is it Lithuania?
1: There's one of them. Okay. And the other one, you're kind of close to it, somewhat. It's definitely in. Asia. Okay. But it's it's not China Strong ally of the United States.
0: Well, it's not it's not Japan because baseball's the most not popular. Japan. Yeah, baseball's the most popular there. South Korea?
1: Not South Korea. Good uh, guess though. The other one is the Philippines. Oh. Which oh. that one was surprising to yeah. me. Yeah. Huh.
0: Huh. I did not know that. And that's where the world championships are being held. The World Cup, or are, are, are they calling it the World Cup?
1: I am not sure on that one. I just know. Let me let me look here real quick. I, I think
0: it's World Cup.
1: I think it's World Cup. It is. Yeah, because yep. it says the World Cup squad success. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So. Oh well,
1: I got I got one.
0: Yeah, because I knew show was over. Uh, he was over there, and uh, and by the way, let I want to put in a quick plug. Um. Unsolicited. Uh, if, you, if you're a book reader, uh, I strongly encourage you to go out and pick up the book on Don Showalter. Um, I believe it's called, and I want to make sure I get the title right here uh, From Cornfields to Gold Medals or something like that.
1: I believe that's correct.
0: Um, and uh, I want to make, yeah, From Cornfields to Gold Medals. Uh, coaching championship basketball lessons and leadership and arise from humble beginnings. Uh, You know, Tony and I are obviously uh, Snow Valley guys, and that was our connection to Coach Showalter. Coach Showalter was uh, under uh, the U18, U17, U18 coach for Team USA. He started out, he coached his entire high school coaching career in small towns in southeastern Iowa, and uh, I started reading it last night, Tony. And uh, I think I read over a 100 pages. I was up till like 1:30 in the morning uh, reading it and then I started thinking of different ideas and different things and uh, if, if you're looking for a really good basketball book to read and again Tony and I have the personal connection so maybe I'm a little bit biased in this but I really encourage you to check that one out. I, I, I think it's a really really good book and uh, just just it's, it's just a great story of how you know how did this high school coach from a very, very small community work his way up to where he's working side-by-side side with Krzyzewski and Popovich, and, and now Show is, is retired and traveling the world with USA Basketball and, and doing all this stuff, and it's just an amazing story. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I got on that one, buddy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, one of those things where, you know, getting to meet know him a little bit, um, you know, it, it has been – Kind of a, a neat story for him. I think he's won like 10 gold medals, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, and just had a lot of success at the high school level. Uh, and then rode that on into USA Basketball. Uh, New Coach Wooden. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a good relationship with Coach Wooden. And then, like you mentioned, uh, rubbing elbows, you know, rubbing shoulders with Shusevsky with and Popovich. Some of the basketball royalty.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, So there's our plug there. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a dot com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every a pen and a napkin podcast and ways to contribute to the growth of a pen and a napkin. A pen and a napkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. How about that? So, Tony, let's get into our TWIB segment. Now, uh, this uh, l- little uh, heads up here, we are taping this on Friday, is it the 4th, Tony? Yep, yeah, August do. 4th. August 4th. And and I'm starting school next week, and Tony's going on vacation next week uh hopefully he comes back um but him and we'll him see. is it is it just you and rita heading
1: out tony yeah we've done this now a handful of years we just decided when we became empty nesters that uh you know towards the end of the summer right before school starts we're gonna take you know four, five, six days whatever and uh go and explore different parts of the united states
0: yeah so uh so we're we're taping this uh a little early um Especially on on one of these topics here, uh, you know the the event that we're going to talk about will have occurred by the time folks hear this next Friday. So uh, we're taping it this Friday. We're dropping it next Friday, Tony. So uh, when when you and Rita are out on the road, you could you could uh, blare this in the car with her. How about that? There you go. Yeah. She'll so get impressed. Yeah, yeah. She'll, she'll fall asleep in the passenger seat probably. <laughs> so.
1: She normally does that, so <laughs> um, no one, I can believe the pod. <laughs> it's,
0: gonna, it's just the present company. <laughs> it's true.
1: <laughs> <sighs>
0: All right. Uh, so uh, we we had three uh, basketball topics to talk about this week. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the 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 asa. We got the big matchup in the WNBA coming uh, this weekend, Tony Sunday. Uh, I think uh, 2 o'clock uh, our time, Central Standard Time. Uh, Las Vegas and New York squaring off for, I believe, the first time this year. And should be a heck of a basketball game. Uh, Vegas down, Candace Parker, who we talked about last week, had foot surgery. So obviously she's not going to be playing. Uh, but, the, but the Aces... Uh, they they keep it rolling here. I, I still don't think they, I think they've only lost two games at the time of of taping here. So, uh, what do you see in, in this one here, Tony? What uh, I, I think it's at New York. I could be wrong. Let me check the schedule to be sure here. But um, yeah, what do you what are you thinking with this one here, buddy?
1: I think the Aces are going to get them. Um, Aces. 24 and 2, last I had checked. I, I don't know if they played since, you know, they, they won another one early, but they're, they're rolling teams. It's not like they're winning by six or eight. They're winning by like 16, 18, 20 plus. Uh, they're just rolling people. And Kelsey Plum's playing at an unreal level. I think I saw the other day she was averaging over like 23, 24 a game her last 10. Uh, Asia Wilson's playing at an MVP level again. And if there's a better point guard in the league than Chelsea Gray, um, I haven't seen her. Uh, Jackie Young shooting it really, really well from behind the arc. And yeah. then Kia Stokes, another Iowa connection there. She played yeah. at Linmar High School, uh, which isn't very far away here from Cedar Rapids. Uh, but it's just a nice piece. They're not overly deep, but the connection they have. And, and Becky Hammond, um, you know, is one of the best, if not the best, coach in the WNBA. And I just feel like the the Liberty um, are an all-star team that got assembled the chemistry hasn't quite come together yet for mm-hmm. them, um, and maybe in a you know next season, or maybe here at the end of this season, it might. But I just don't feel like the Liberty have the same continuity and connectivity as what the Aces do.
0: Yeah, and, and I and I think it's it's kind of uh, it, it, it's probably especially now if it's the NCAA tournament, you wouldn't say this with as much confidence. But with the N, with the WNBA playoff structure and it's it's you know. You got to win best of three, best of five, whatever it may be. Uh, it, it's pretty inevitable that these two are going to be the the two that end at uh, that meet at the end. Uh, you know, Connecticut is nipping at the at New York's heels at twenty and six. But I, I like you, Tony, I, I I think Las Vegas has the continuity uh, advantage. And then, but I, I, you know, I think at the end of the year, I think New York's, I think it's just going to be a, a heck of a deal. So, um, I, I never did. Okay. I got to find out when this game is. I, I started looking at other stuff. Yeah. Las Vegas is 24 and 2 at the time of, uh, at the time of recording here. So they play at New York, 2 o'clock on ABC. So it's going to be a nationally televised game. Uh, it should be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I think right now, I think Las Vegas is a little bit better. Uh, not to say that New York can't knock them off uh, in, in this game, but I, I if I I hope folks have tuned in to this game. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, next time we get together, Tony, we can talk about it a little bit more. So
1: Yeah, the other thing I would give you, too, is Dallas, to me, is the dark horse in the WNBA playoffs. That's the team that's been given the aces. The tougher games out of mm-hmm. anybody and so I, I think Dallas is kind of the, the wild card in the whole thing and then the other thing in the WNBA that happened last night uh Tarazi was the first WNBA player to score over 10,000 points uh in her career she had 42 last night
0: yeah I was that was I that was an impromptu thing that I just wrote down uh Tony you and I have seen Diana Tarasi since she was at UConn I mean how 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 do you put her career in perspective
1: you know, I think she's the GOAT um, mm-hmm. as far as women basketball players go. Um, you know, she, I don't know, just the, the swagger, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of times I think, you know, people are like, oh, you know, girls, women, whatever, shouldn't talk trash like that. And I think Diana came along with that swag that she has and now it's, be, you know, and, and, and has helped it become more and more acceptable as a Caitlin Clark and those that have kind of followed in her footsteps. Um but I don't know. she's she's been my favorite player for a long time in the WNBA.
0: yeah she she is definitely the goat. Uh, she uh, I, I read a deal. When did we play in Rio? Was it 2016 that the Olympics were in Rio? I, think I believe so yeah. And the men's players were saying the biggest trash talker of all was Tarasi. Uh, they said that she talked more trash than anybody on the men's team, uh, by a mile, uh, which is, which is awesome. Uh, I I think she's original. I I think she's, uh, tough as nails. I mean, she's, I think she's over 40 and still playing or she's very close to 41. Yeah. Uh, you know she's got a silky smooth game uh she, she's just a legend just absolute legend tony and and uh hats off to her the first to 10,000 points and you know somebody's somebody's going to eclipse her at some point as the league continues to grow um and and perhaps they make the the league schedule longer as the popularity of women's basketball you know progresses but uh she is she is unbelievable. She has meant so much to the women's game. Uh, she gave it uh, so much credibility, uh, and uh, you know she kind of took the torch from, from others before her to, to to continue to grow the game. And, and uh, she's on the Mount Rushmore without a doubt, if if not the lead head on the Mount Rushmore of the greatest women's basketball players of all time. So, um, did you throw the? Did you oh did you throw? Did you watch the TBT championship last night, Tony?
1: I did not watch the the championship. I've watched bits and pieces of it, um, but no, I did not catch the championship last night.
0: Yeah, I caught the last... I basically caught the Elam ending. Uh, We were were doing some other stuff. We're getting ready to move our daughter back to school, so we've been kind of busy with that. But uh, I I love the TBT. uh, I love the Elam ending. I think it's too... I don't know if complicated is the right word for, for a high school situation, but, but in a self-contained situation with professional players and you've got the staff to, to do everything with it and that type of thing, I love uh, the, the concept of it. It's, it's kind of the old school, you've got to score a basket, kind of, kind of the old playground mentality. We're mm-hmm. playing to 11 by ones and twos and there's no clock here. You've got you to gotta win it. And uh-huh. uh, so I, I really like it. I think it's really awesome. Uh, the guy that made the game winning basket, I don't know if you saw the highlight or not, Tony, 41 years old. Uh, oh, wow. yeah. So, uh, and the, and the coach, I think the team, the name of the team was like Heartfire or something like that, which is for a really noble cause. They go out and they, uh, provide medical services. It's kind of like a doctors without borders type of organization. Okay. Um, and Lafonso Ellis was their head coach and, uh, it is just a really cool deal and these are guys these are professional basketball players uh i think people underestimate how good these players are uh these are professional basketball players mainly in foreign countries but uh they've come back and and when they take that million dollars and they split it uh 10 12 ways uh that's life changing money for uh these players that allows them to do things. So I, I think it's a really, really cool concept. It's it's a really nice bridge at the end of the summer, every summer, to watch this whole thing play out, to see these players with play play with such desperation, but also a lot of respect for one another. And uh I, I think it's it's just a really, really cool concept. I've always enjoyed watching it.
1: You know, when we went to the shot clock here, one of the things that was proposed is why don't we just go to the Elam ending? And I think you kind of answered that earlier with the whole equation and, and the, the the you know the complications and the complexity of it. Um, but yeah, that would be you know it'd be an exciting way to end it. You know where you have to make the shot to win the game rather than you know hey we're going to pull the ball out, run some clock, and you know that type of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, last thing on our docket here: uh, the World Championship team, the World Cup team. Um, I think in uh, Las Vegas. We are at even odds to win it, so it's it's kind of us against the field. Um, our our roster is really young. I was watching this last night on SportsCenter. Center. Uh, Paolo Banquero, who just won Rookie of the Year, Mikael Bridges, who's in his fifth year or so, Jalen Brunson, same Anthony Edwards, young Tyrese Halliburton, young Josh Hart, uh, young. It's like half this team is Villanova guys. Uh, Brandon Ingram. Kind of an elder statement. He's in like his seventh year. Jaron Jackson is young. Cam Johnson is young. Walker Kessler just coming off his rookie year. Bobby Portis he's the oldest guy, and then Austin Reeves is young. I think they said on SportsCenter the average age of our team is like twenty four years old or something along those lines. So, uh, how do you like our team? How do we how do we uh, potentially stack up here? What, what do you what do you think, Tony?
1: I like this team a lot. Um, You know, I was reading an article earlier on ESPN that was comparing the team to back in 2010 when when Kevin Durant was on it, Mm -hmm. and Kevin Durant led them to the the championship there. And they were kind of comparing, you know, Anthony Edwards at that same stage as where Kevin Durant was in his career, and how, you know, they talked about Kevin's team maybe being like a B, B minus team Mm -hmm. um, and then still winning it all because of him willing them to do that and, and, you know, pushing Anthony Edwards in that role. But I think they've got some really nice pieces around Anthony Edwards. You know, you mentioned Jalen Brunson. I love Jalen Brunson, uh, one of my favorite players in the NBA. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton obviously played at Iowa State uh one of the few players in the league last year to average over 20 points and 10 assists uh jaron jackson jr was the defensive player of the year in the nba and to be honest with you i think that's the end of the floor that they're going to have to to really thrive in because you know you're you're plugging this team together late they obviously haven't been playing together very long and defense always travels defense is always consistent so i really think jaron jackson jr if he can stay out of foul trouble that was one of his bugaboos in the nba this season uh-huh. uh he'll be really really key on that end for them but i like their depth um i like the different the the uh flexibility of the team you know brandon egram i think is an underrated player in the nba as Absolutely. well um but yeah i did really like this team but it's going to be tough i was listening to probably the same report that you did and they were talking about how canada has 10 nba players on it i think they're the second uh, favorite behind the United States, France doesn't have Victor, but they still have a lot of NBA talent on that team as well. Um, and so it's it's going to be it's it's going to be a, a challenge, and it'll be something to be with you that I'll tune in to to watch on this one.
0: Yeah, I I really like um, the 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 physical gifts of this team i really like like you said i I think kind of a a dark horse guy is brandon ingram he's kind of toiled in obscurity down in new orleans the last few years but he's averaged 25 26 a game Uh, i could see him making like a a carmelo-esque leap uh the way carmelo kind of excelled in international basketball playing that stretch four and, and and just making teams come out and guard him there and really excelling in that regard um i think mikhail bridges Is going to be really, really important to them, as as okay, uh, you're going to start every game and you're basically going to shut down uh, the other team's best perimeter player and go. You know, and and that's probably where where I would start at. Like I said, the point guards are really good with Brunson and Halliburton. I really like those. Uh, You you worry about about the big guys a little bit. Again, Walker Kessler, really young, Bobby Portis you know, nice NBA player, again, better at basketball than I'll ever be, but, you know, nice NBA player. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., not only foul prone, but kind of gets hurt a lot, you know, too, so uh, you you worry about that a little bit. So, uh, obviously, we're, we're splitting hairs here, you know, because we're not the overwhelming favorite, uh, we're like, well, gosh, is this team any, you know, that type of thing? But I, I think it's really cool how the game of basketball has has grown globally. Uh, like you said, Canada has a really, really good roster, and they're going to be hard to beat. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun to watch here the next couple of weeks. So,
1: yeah, Jamal Murray and Shea are really, really good, and then Slovenia has Luca, yeah. who probably will be the best player in the tournament.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like from what I've heard, uh, he's pretty hungry right now. He's ready to play. He's in the best in shape. shape. He's, yeah, he's in shape. Uh, so that, that could be very interesting. That could be very interesting. So it should be a lot of fun. So um, all right, Tony, that's that's all I got for this week, bud. So uh, I, I wish you a great time on your vacation. I already took my vacation this summer. I, I wish you awesomeness uh, and enjoy Nashville. And I uh, just hope you and Rita have a great time and, and we'll get back together when you get back So, sound good, bud?
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to it A former student of mine um, He ended up playing football at Iowa uh, Had an opportunity to go on I can't remember if it was American Idol Or The Voice or something like that So it was not to because he wanted to you know, Compete at Iowa and play football uh, but he is starting his music career and so we're gonna go catch him. He's playing a show on Saturday night, so we're gonna go catch him. So we're really looking forward to that. And uh got an on off tour that we're doing as well. So uh should be good. Should be good. Rita's put a lot of time in it, so I'm sure uh, we'll have a have a good vacation.
0: So Rita's doing all the work and then you just get to show up and go.
1: Yeah, tell her <laughs> what I think about
0: it. <laughs> oh, man. I'll be excited to read your Rita Vs uh tour guide Yelp review. How about that?
1: So Oh, it'll
0: be, it'll be pages. <laughs> well, no, I hope you guys have fun. Enjoy it. Thanks for coming on this morning. Sorry I was five minutes late. I I, I, I was a little slow this morning. So I uh, hope you folks enjoyed uh, this discussion. Uh, episode number 50, leadership styles and and talking about leadership and how to lead your teams. And and Tony and I kind of, I don't know, we kind of pulled back the, the, the curtain here and, and let you into some of our experiences, some of the things that we felt like we've done well, some of the things that we've screwed up on, Definitely in your career. And, and, and I think when it comes to leadership and mistakes that you've made, don't, don't shy away from them. Uh, you, you ask your players to learn from their mistakes. You have to do that as well. And, and so when you inevitably make mistakes in your leadership style and how you lead your teams, embrace it, learn from it, figure out what you failed at, and then do it better the next time. That's that's the, that's the key to it all. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft. One day.